0: Good
1: evening, everyone. Nice to be with you again. So uh, my service tonight is to ask for questions, I've been told, so you have to do your part, your 50% of whatever happens here. <laughs> All right. So yes, go ahead. Jay. Uh well could you please explain what is Nishta? Uh-huh. Um, <coughs> the word Nishta is uh, typically uh, within our tradition used to refer to a particular stage. Of uh, progress in bhakti, in his tome Bhaktirasamrita Sindhu, which is uh, a book uh, that uh, expounds upon the word ecstasy, I would say, in uh, considerable length, and um, in that text, in two verses. The author, Shilurupa Goswami, describes nine stages of bhakti. In other places, the stages have been uh, further developed, subdeveloped. For example, Vishwanath Chakradi Thakur in his uh, Sarta darshani which is a commentary on the Bhagavatam. In the uh, section where some of the verses in the verse about Nishta is found, uh, speaks of 14 different uh, stages that said he himself wrote a book entitled Madhurya Kadambini which elaborates on the nine stages as they're um, described or really just mentioned by Rupa Goswami adho um, um, mm-hmm. shvartha Tata sadhu sangha vajuna kriya anarta nivritti tatha ruchis tatha nishta tatha ruchis, tata ruchis tata ita uh, uh asakti Baba, and prema so, um, seven of the stages fall within a broader category of sadhana bhakti and one of the stages falls within the category of bhava bhakti and the last of the stages falls in the category of prema bhakti which is the goal but on um, when we speak about bhakti, prema, prema means love. Uh, very broadly speaking, a very simple kind of definition of the term, without going into technical details of, of it, uh, it. That being the goal, uh, we should also understand at the same time that the way, which is also bhakti, is one with the goal. So the sadhya, the goal, and the sadhana, the practice, are the same. They might be likened to a, um, an unripened, a blossom, an unripened fruit, and a ripened fruit. So it's a mango, it's a mango, it's a mango, but it's in different stages of unfolding, right? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, so seven of the stages then fall within the category of sadhana. Sadhana means practice uh so it is a um a kind of going through the motions in some respects of um participation with the senses which our body is made of active senses like our motor senses for walking and gathering things with our arms and so forth and then the the um what would you call them um Perceptive senses, taste, touch, smell, sight, so forth. Um, Our psycho, which includes the mind, and our psychophysiological sense of self, hmm, is uh, consisted of the senses in one sense, and they come in touch with the objects of the senses. And so there's something out there... hmm, And there's someone in there asking, what's out there? Mm. And that's pretty much what life's about. What's out there and who's asking the question? Are they the same? Are they different? It's a big, big subject. And it's not uh, ever going to get old. Mm. Mm. And there will always be different answers. But uh, the answers in particular that are given through uh, schools of spiritual discipline and practice like like ours have um a good uh, number of uh examples over a long long period of time of uh persons who have pursued those particular an- that, that particular answer to those questions the nature of consciousness the subjective and and the world about, about outside the objective world have and pursuing the answers. There are a number of persons who have arrived at a state in which uh, many, th- about which many things could be said. One of which, one of which, the profound sense that there remains nothing more to be known. Hmm. So, no need to acquire. Hmm. That would be a rather um, limited. Um, and kind of negative explanation, no need for anything else. Um, uh, There's much to be said on the positive side as well, the Mm preem that they have attained, the love that they have attained. Mm -hmm. Um, In one sense, love is the highest uh, knowledge. Mm -hmm. We uh, seek knowledge, I think, to in order to inform our actions, that through our actions we may become happy, joyful, that we may love. So we seek perfect knowledge. Now some people say it doesn't exist, but everybody keeps looking for it. So who's crazy? Those who say it doesn't exist or those who say it does exist. Both are pursuing it, whether they like to admit it or not. Right. Of course, if we want to attain perfect knowledge, we need a perfect method. And from our perspective, our tools, mental, physical, and intellectual, are products of our predicament. They're karmic products of our predicament. So they're not uh, sufficient or capable in and of themselves for... They're, they're products of imperfection, of our present experience of imperfection. So they're not capable in and of themselves to deliver perfection, if you will. They can be used. But that would, uh, our idea is that uh, they would be used in relation to a dispensation from from perfection. So. We need some kind of visa, so to speak, from that realm. Um, the task is for the finite to know the infinite. So that's really not possible. But then again, because the infinite is infinite, and in all respects, then it can do what the finite cannot, therefore, it can reveal itself to the finite. And then, it, thus, it can be known. Hmm. This is the principle of of revelation. So, um, the practices then that we engage in, kind of as an apprentice, as I said earlier in in sadhana bhakti, these are practices that come from that that side, right? Ways to express oneself and what constitutes uh, bhakti, in hearing about Krishna chanting. There, there are many. There are ungas or limbs of the ungi, the body of bhakti, that pertain to our senses, uh, our uh, our uh, our mind, our intellect, our speech, uh, uh, and so forth. So, um, a very comprehensive. Uh, means of employing our senses in relation to sense objects Mm. for the pleasure of Krishna Mm. has been shared with us.
0: Mm.
1: And it's reasonable to um, assume that the result of that will be similar but very different from how we're using our senses at present because now we use our senses and through them we get messages so to speak, are sent to the mind where we make determinations. This is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad, this is hot, this is cold, I like this, I don't like that. And so we have these likes and dislikes, if you will, um, which are relative to our mind and senses, and your senses and my senses and mine and so forth, they're different, well, these causes the differences, materially speaking, between us.
0: Hmm.
1: Your likes and dislikes differentiate you from my likes and dislikes and they make up what you are, hmm. right? in many respects. So the point I'm making is that through exercising our senses in, in relation to sense objects, an identity is arising. Hmm. Now the 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 illusion that we're under is that we're we acquire things and that they're ours. There's a sense of mine, and there's an I that arises out of that. Well, nothing is really ours, so the I that arises out of that is also false. It's uh, the things that we acquire are here today and gone tomorrow, and with them, the identity that arises out of them. And So what I'm saying is that, in in a broad sense, when we exercise our senses hmm, in relation to sense objects for the pleasure of Krishna, hmm, well, an identity will arise out of that also. hmm? We're making a statement, everything belongs to God, or um, uh, the circumference should serve the center, hmm, which sustains it just like um in terms of sustaining our body through food what's the base place best place to put it
0: hmm.
1: well it, in the stomach right because that is the lone or the solar singular i should say place that if you give the food it can do something with it that every other part of the body cannot and what it can do is nourish the entire body by transforming hmm. So we, we may be a little bit in our, uh, you know, Western sensibility, as opposed to the idea of serving. Sometimes and this may not be the most popular idea. Everybody, everybody wants freedom. Services. Anyway, uh, uh, there's a lot of freedom found in service. Is our point? But, um, but the analogy uh, is. Uh, it, is also speaks to us about the nature of the center when we say we should serve the center well it just has a role hmm? Hmm. where everything is given to the center but the result is that everything everyone is served thereby hmm. right so uh, love and be loved hmm? but the point I'm making is that in the stages the seven of them of which one is nishtha that you ask about um, uh, we engage in these uh, expressions of bhakti and obviously in, in the course of doing so we're interacting with uh, with the world hmm? sense objects and so forth and um, gradually then this uh Results in the false identity arising out of a sense of mine, the false I that arises, there, is deconstructed hmm? and seen for how limited and shallow of a sense of self it is. Hmm? And an enduring and a taker by nature. Hmm? We're hunters and we're being hunted. We can complain about being hunted, because we're. If we look at it, we see well. Yeah, we can can complain, but we're also hunting. So, Hmm. right. So, um, such as the the realm of uh, of karma, of material existence. You take, and uh, so you you owe. So off to work you go. And um, so, while the practice, if you will, of bhakti, uh, uh, I want to say, um, deconstructs the, the false I, it simultaneously, as I'm explaining it, is giving rise to a real I, Hmm. because the false I arises out of a similar process, right? Hmm. follow me? Hmm. So uh, now you've shifted the focus, the center, Hmm. instead of on yourself, to the actual center, which we're obviously not. (laughs) And so a relationship is going to develop an I. And that will um, mean there will be feelings also. So through the exercise of our senses in relation to sense objects for the pleasure of Krishna, the false eye is deconstructed, and the real, and eternal identity in relation to uh, to our source, to Krishna, arises. And the and and the feelings hmm? these are trans psychological feelings. Now we also have feelings. Hmm? But again, they're in relation to the sense objects and and how our mind um, responds to them, which for you may be good, for me may be bad, so which is it? Hmm? It's neither one. I mean, we think that we see because we have eyes, we know because we have a mind, we hear because we have ears, but actually these things get in the way of our seeing, knowing, and hearing. Hmm. We're like looking through a hole in a fence trying to see the, the pasture. There. These are limited instruments for taking advantage of what's out there.
0: Hmm.
1: What there is, what the nature of being is, let us say. So, um, this is a very interesting way of dealing with the problem, obviously. It's kind of user friendly because, as I say, uh, often we, you know, we have a certain trajectory, right? We're moving in relation to sense objects inadvertently without thinking about it consciously we're seeing ourselves at the center we're seeing everything as how it may facilitate me in an immediate or an extended sense of my bio or psycho physiological self Hmm? no wonder there are problems there um It would be unreasonable, I would think, to expect everyone to fit in our mind and adjust themselves according to our minds' dictates of what's good or bad, happy or sad. But everybody's trying to do that in one extent or another. Then you learn it's not working there, so you know, compromise a little bit and make a little bit of a sacrifice. That's good. But this is a comprehensive way of doing that. And Uh, declaring like open hunting season on the um, false eye Hmm. and so again as the false eye is deconstructed simultaneously because of the nature of the the practices I'm describing it another eye arises Hmm. and this eye will eventually have feelings also Hmm. right? just like now we have feelings but these would be trans-psychological feelings because you because you're going to be transcending the sense of i that arises out of the body mind complex and realize that you are you exist beyond the body mind complex that consciousness is not confined by time and space hmm? people sometimes say do you, do you believe in a soul we say do you believe in consciousness i mean it's kind of a dumb question hmm? but uh uh when we speak of consciousness that we're speaking of mm. uh a, a self that uh is uh not physical mental or intellectual not constrained by time and space uh, so on and so forth it's the most you know illusory thing in the world of things because it's well it's not a thing and the best things in life are not really things mm. you are the best thing in life but you're not a thing mm. And you properly understood are a spark of the fire, if you will, or a ray of the sun of the of of the source, so to connect with with him with godhead, that is the idea of bhakti and a connection through love, and to love one is to know one, so to love, love, love me is to know one. it's an old song, but it it, it applies pretty old <laughs> so so, so bhakti should not be misconstrued hmm, as a means to knowledge, hmm. but at, at, as rather at the end of knowledge. Hmm. What it really means to know. Hmm. How much you can fit between your ears is one thing. What you can do with your heart—that—that's another thing. We—we hmm. we, we experience this even just materially. Hmm. I wanted to say, "I love you." I love you. Another song, but the words got in the way. Right. It's a little, little later, but... <laughs> I'm a bit ancient, but... Uh, I know some modern ones, too. But, uh, uh, but, but at any rate, um, uh, yes, that f- from which words return can't enter there. Mind cannot enter there. Hmm. Beyond that. so. We have a dispensation from that side, mm. which is the very practice of bhakti. Mm. And persons who associate with those who are carriers of bhakti, Krishna describes them in the Gita. He says, "Mahatmanas tumamparta, daivim prakriti ashrita. Mm. They're moving under a different uh, shakti, under a different energy. Daivim prakriti. Uh, that means my my internal shakti. They're moving under that influence in this world. And so we come in touch with such uh, persons and we know we like them. They're likable and um, reasonable and compelling and so forth. So we take up the practice. Hmm. I remember many years ago when I was uh, on my way to Jamaica <coughs> to live in the jungle <coughs> with my pregnant wife I was about 21 <laughs> and meditate forever. that was my idea, was going to the jungle there. I made it and I did go to the jungle. And I built a bamboo house that was only white was only white people there. and, and um, but the rainy season came and wiped out the house. And it was pretty hard so I came back and joined the temple, which I had stopped at in Miami on the way down it was New Year's Eve when I arrived there and I was, we went to a, what was called a crash pad at that time you know, some people's house was available and um, the people who were there were all very morose and I was kind of an upbeat you know person and uh, and um, they were lamenting that another year had passed and they had not become enlightened and I thought yeah that's true but and I looked on the shelf and there was a Big fat book that said K R S N A. I said, Hey, what's that? Because previously I had received some incense that said, Chant this mantra and your life will be sublime. So I used to chant it. It was my mantra hmm. in my mind. And they said, Oh yeah, that's for you. They said. I said, Oh okay. <laughs> and they said, In fact, they got a place you know down the street over there. So yeah, maybe you want to go So we went. And they took us out on it was on New Year's Eve. They took us out on chanting in the streets and so forth. It was quite nice. Anyway, we spent the night in a tent there, and um, in the morning we were up, you know, for the for the program. And they told me got to take a shower, got to be cold, and this and that. So I was like doing the things that they said, and and then um, uh, I asked. One of the fellows there, his name was Navio, and I said, uh, why do you shave your heads? Which wasn't fashionable, you know, in those days. And he said, because Prabhupada does. And it wasn't like, for me it was like, that's pretty cool. They really like this Prabhupada, you know. I think he must be very nice. So <laughs> I was, uh, was very charmed by that um, answer. So there's more to the story, of course. But um, my point was that we get charmed by by such persons and their faith then is, which is driving them which we, we talked about extensively last night animating them and so forth this would be divine faith from the nirguna. guna so it's contagious so it falls upon us so we we, we we take up the practice we understand a little of the logic of the underlying philosophy and theology as best we can and they try to convey it to us and they realize well, oh, I can't answer that Completely to him, or let let take some prasadam you know, again engage us and whatnot, um, and so that's this is kind of like I said, a, a pr- apprenticeship. So there's there's no real ananda, no real ecstasy. Sometimes an abas, a shadow of that ecstasy, will come through good association and the practices that we've been um, taught and so forth, but it doesn't it won't last. Hmm? It, it, it's very reassuring, hmm? and tears may come, and hairs may stand on end, and, and it may come for you know, during a festival or something, or um, when it's very the, the atmosphere is consuming and it goes from one thing to the next, or chant, the class, prasadum, discussion, kirtan, so forth. Hmm? This abhas, this shadow of bhava of actual ecstasy or trans-psychological feelings hmm, for Krishna hmm, is, is a kind of a blessing that comes to us. And it's more uh, confirming than all the philosophy that we read and hear and so forth. But that's also helpful. That that corners our, our intelligence and our mind. It makes it difficult for us to do otherwise and, and, and consider ourselves reasonable, hmm, to pursue things that don't endure in pursuit of enduring happiness things that have no happiness inherent in them well it just doesn't make a lot of sense right you have to sometimes gravitate towards these very basic spiritual principles they will ground you when the when the when the tornado or the hurricane of your mind tries to take you you elsewhere you have to think well you know what else am i going to do here does it make any sense i want enduring happiness I believe that it exists. I mean, I've even had a, a, a glimpse of it an a of it. Hmm? So, right now it's a cloudy day. So the sun of my spiritual prospect is not entirely shining for me. But what am I supposed to do? Go out and pursue? What else? That's this. It's, it's kind of black and white. <laughs> Either you're going to pursue temporary things and acquisition of them in pursuit of happiness, or understand that attachment things is the womb as krishna says in the gita from which suffering is born hm you yeah, gotta, gotta get that in your head right that kind of very grounding hmm? and this type of grounding intellectual grounding in the teaching hmm, that's been imparted to you is a good part of the stage within sadhana bhakti that's called nishta hmm? Hmm? So it begins with faith that is, that is contagious, as I said, right? And then that faith, uh, w- which arises out of a, a general um, association with, uh, with devotees, and then when that faith arises in that association, when you feel that, hey, the answer to life is right here in Chapel Hill, at, uh, on, um, you know, what street are we on? Anyway, Rock Rock. Flat, Rock. Flat Rock Road. There it is. Does that make sense? Could that possibly be? It's yeah. got to be somewhere. And uh, appearing there, you know, tonight, you know, there's going to be a kirtan. And so, uh, anyway, I, I, I have a, a, a blessing of a sense that uh, that uh, of what is the prospect that's come before me. Mm-hmm. And um, so, then I associate with like-minded persons. Very seriously, and in the context of that association, someone, someone of the devotees stands out as an example mm-hmm. um, of the teaching, who can also articulate the teaching, that can answer my questions. Mm-hmm. We should come and sit before the guru and doubt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, some gurus will say, "Don't doubt," and then you get all neurotic and you're kind afraid to ask a question. No, I don't say that. I say, come, sit, and doubt. If I can't set it, answer your doubts, well, then, you know, then you should go somewhere else and try to get an answer. Or you might, I might be able to convince you that the way you're looking at it, you're never going to be able to answer your doubts. That's another thing. Hmm. That's a, a different discussion, but, uh, related, but, but, um, just, we'll come to your question, your doubt. Hmm. But, um, uh, that figure then, that that devotee then becomes naturally, in a natural way, our guide. It said, uh, "That sāguru uh, mayva One must have a guru, mm, but I have explained that in a way that is less ominous, if you will, or uh, ominous or. Or um, and and more compelling, so it's, it's not a law, hmm. but I must have a, her as my guru. Mm. I, I feel that the way she speaks, the way he speaks, it 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 it, it res, it's not a foreign thing; it resonates with my heart. He he is saying it the way I couldn't say it. Hmm. The the guru is, is the external manifestation of the Chaita Guru of, of God in the heart. Come before us, and in a in a in a in a um, what would you say a um, like tailor made mm. fits with our psychology and uh, and so forth. So there may be different such agents, right, capture the faith of different types of persons and so forth. So I must make a connection there. Mm. It's very positive. Mm. One feels that uh, that. It has, that that one's own prospect has come before oneself. Hmm. All that I could be. And in that company we feel very insignificant, but capable of doing anything. Hmm. These conflicting type of feelings. Wow, but that, that connection was, I have great, I don't have unto myself much, but I have this connection. That's, it's not what you know, <laughs> it's who you know. <laughs> That's true in the world, <laughs> in terms of getting ahead, if you will. So this is this is the anyway. So in that, then from the guru, of course, we receive mantra and we receive so many uh, teachings to support that um, mantra. And we're in the stage of sadhana. Now we've gone through the initial stage of Shraddha, sadhusanga, and bhajanakriya. Sadhusanga means the association of like-minded persons, and then the, the the guru teaches us how you chant like this you'll do like this and so forth mm-hmm. and then um, between the stage that you've asked and bhajanakriya, kriya is a stage called anarthanivritti so that means that false values anarthas mm. that we have identified with mm. or we are driven towards even though we may understand they're not in our interest, are nonetheless prominent mm. in our lives. And so Anartha means the stage of eradicating these, these things. And there are subtle forms of these Anarthas, and then there are very gross forms. Mm. Um, and so, uh, this is a, um, a bit of a Um, of a um, of a challenge right one realizes the practice first it was very sublime and everything just go and take prasadam and chant it's very nice and then you realize well there's there's some work to be done here Hmm, right Um, I have false values I have uh, seeds of desires in my heart that are getting in the way of my practice that have to be cleansed out and so forth through the practice not by any other means but by through the practice so i'll be sometimes up and sometimes down or there's a learning curve it's a long and it's a winding kind of road (laughs)
0: like
1: that it's going or it's going like this here you want to go to the highest summit in the himalayas and you have to go through the foothills so follow me, you go like this. So sometimes it feels like, I'm going down. But the guru is looking at the bigger picture. Says, Everything is all right. All right. Yeah, yeah, just keep going. <laughs> it's encouraging us. Right? has the bigger picture. And he wants to bring us into the bigger picture. Hmm? Appeals to our intellect hmm? with the teaching hmm? and through example as well. It's said in the Bhagavatam, nasta prayeshu abadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. So you know the verse. This is the verse from the Bhagavatam that uh, describes or supports the idea that there is such a stage of nishta. The verse says that um, by regularly hearing the Bhagavat, um, which is our core text, and serving the person that personifies the Bhagavat, then the gross form of anarthas arising out of the rajaguna and tamaguna they will be destroyed Hmm. so that doesn't mean it's all finished Hmm. but the the major problems that that got in the way of your practice and interrupted it hmm, if you will from time to time that is passed through so one's nishta, or one's budget let's say, one's bhajan, bhajanakriya, activities of practice, of bhajan, move from anishta, unsteady, because there are major issues that, that, that get in the way. When they're eradicated, then one starts to step into the stage of, of nishta. Now one's practice is not anishta, unsteady, but steady. Nishth is, is when your shraddha, when your faith, which got you involved in the first place, has now become uh, well-informed hmm, by scripture and scriptural reasoning. Hmm? Hmm. It's a state that's it's largely uh, driven by the intellect. Hmm? Hmm. Um In the stage of Nishta, that long and winding road now becomes straight. Hmm? But it's not narrow. Hmm? The long and the winding road was narrow. And I had a very black and white idea. Don't step over there. Don't step over there. Stay on the road. Hmm? It's not like this. It's like this. And now, when I come to Nishtha, the road is straight, but it's broad. And rules and regulations have now become realizations, and I see that it's, it's the many shades of gray to the to the to the affair. Different ways of thinking about the same text, uh, same verse, same same book, also all within the parameters of what constitutes uh, bhakti. I realize that um, that i that this is for thinking people hmm? even while it's for stopping the mind hmm? from its per- present trajectory. now we think primarily about things. Hmm. <laughs> so well, that's what we're thinking about, right hmm? Don't think about things hmm. that makes the mind like the things more or less so sort of move in the other direction opposite direction so so Nishta is 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 um, this uh, point where the uh, intelligence is fully engaged it doesn't mean everybody becomes a scholar but um, at least by the force of intelligence one's not going to be deviated from the from the practice hmm. and gradually then within the context of the stage of Nishta there's development hmm. before it turns to Ruchi hmm. Um, the next stage, which means taste, now that there, there will be taste in Nishta hmm. it will be um, in the beginning, it may not be consistent, but the practice will be consistent
0: hmm.
1: in time it, it as it becomes more and more consistent and matures, then it will turn into a stage where of ruchi, where the practice is driven by a taste and supported by intelligence. Intelligence is still there in, in Ruchi and it's supporting the taste, but the practice itself is driven by a taste. Now now you're getting towards the end of this this uh, sadhana bhakti.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you have attachment now only to bhakti. Mama Janmani Janmani ishvari Bhavata Bhakti Arhoyatiki And said. I started because I was concerned about the cycle of birth and death, I wanted to get out, right? It was my driving force to to a large extent. Mahaprabhu says, I have no interest in that anymore. Hmm. I have only interest in bhakti. Whether I'm heaven or hell or wherever, it makes svargapavarganaraki shuapitulartadarshanam, as Bhagatam says. Hmm. makes no difference. Bhakti is a place itself, you see. Hmm it's a place in itself an inner place a meditative place that's not a that's not a false place if the, the, we think that the that everything has to be validated objectively to be real that is a, quite the antithesis you cannot validate the, validate that you e- objectively that you exist that is your driving subjective experience that your whole life is based on mm. You can't objectively demonstrate it. Mm -hmm. It's a subjective experience.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That's a whole other discussion, the value of subjective experience. And this subjective experience in bhakti, of course, is one that others have who are doing... So there's, what do you call it, inter... um, Anyway, sharing of subjective experiences, seeing the similarity in them, they gain some objectivity if you will. Mm. But, enough about the objective world. Hmm? It's here today and gone tomorrow, right? Hmm? Uh, so, in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, I, don't, I have I have no... I, in, in Nishta we have material desires in seed form, hmm? subtle desires that still remain the gross desires arising out of tamaguna and sattva guna, kama krodha lobha lust avarice uh, anger the, the uh, uh, misplaced anger I should say arising out of the frustration of not having my senses satisfied hmm? this is this is gone in nishtha but there are subtle desires but they the, the practice of nishtha is such it's so consistent hmm? That they don't have a chance to fructify. It's like if you have some seeds, and you keep pouring water on them, they become waterlogged, right? They can't sprout, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the the practice is such that they they don't they're still there. Now in Ruchi, the next stage, they're gone. The seeds are gone, mm-hmm. but they are and they're replaced with with the desire for only desire for bhakti. Mm-hmm. And then from there, hmm, the object of one's bhakti arises. Now, there's a general object to your bhakti, it's Krishna. hmm, But as your ruchi develops, that is particular, hmm, a particular taste. So the object of love, Krishna, will appear in a particular way that corresponds So if your taste is coming in Bhav or bab or Vatsalya, Krishna is going to appear a little differently. Certain qualities of him are going to stand out to one sentiment or another. Hmm. So from the stage of ruchi, then comes asakti. Now this is attachment to the object. There is still attachment to bhakti, and there's still no material desire. That's all carrying through. But now there's attachment to the object. Mm. bhakti as well mm. in that in that stage, then intelligence is lost and and people um say foolish things mm. did you see that leaf blow? Krishna must have blown that mm. and then he reasons about that it gets lost. And, in, in such such thinking, people think it's a little crazy, isn't it? <laughs> if they hear that mm. in Nishtha, mm. one tries with the help of intelligence through practice to rein the mind in. It's successful, let's say, in reining the mind in from going elsewhere mm. to material thoughts, right? Mm. as the mind wanders in earlier stages and tries to break loose and distract you in Nishta but is unsuccessful, in asakti, the mind naturally goes to Krishna. Hmm. You've got to bring it back just to function in the world. Hmm. Hmm. You have to bring it back. It naturally goes there.
0: Hmm.
1: So you tip the scales here. And then, of course, one enters into the next stage, next division, broader division, from the division of sadhana bhakti, that has seven stages. You go into the division of bhava bhakti, which is where now you have attained bhakti proper because not only are you engaging in bhakti with the senses, as I said, like an apprentice, oh, yeah, Prabhupada shaved his head, I'll do shave mine too. So, it's a imitation of a good thing is a good thing. Um, now, and at that time in sadhana bhakti to one extent or another your bhakti is not fully informed Hmm? sambandha uh, uh, initiation falls under the category of sambandha establishing what's what Hmm? and establishing you in a relationship with Krishna also so This is completed when the sadhana bhakti is completed. You enter into bhava bhakti. Now, your bhakti is fully informed, Hmm? not by theory. The theological person, Krishna, has become a real person. And what you thought was a real person yourself has been completely deconstructed and seen for for what it is. Hmm? And the personality hmm, that is... Suitable for relating with Krishna, constituted of bhava, hmm, hmm, has has arisen. It's arisen within because of how you used your body of mind and senses on the outside, the sadhaka day, the practitioner's body.
0: Hmm, right.
1: So in then in in, in bhava bhakti, then there is still practice, but it's it's. Um, it's not, uh, let's take for example uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's leela When he takes sannyas, he begins to teach, right, bhakti. Mm-hmm. And he's a public figure, doing sankirtan, speaking to other intellectuals and on in the subcontinent, big people like Sarubhoma, Prakashananda and so forth. And his public life, the way he conducts himself with his Arguably, arguably the practitioner's body because he's setting an example it 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 causes him to become a private person in due course and we enter into the anti Mahaprabhu's Chaitanya Dev's internal experiences are, are described to one extent or another but he's not teaching there how to practice hmm? there is a practice but what, what can you teach about that hmm? So, you can learn some things about the goal, and that's good, and so forth, but uh, bhava-bhakti then is bhakti in ecstasy, and then that Baba is a ray of the sun of prema, so it's churned, hmm, and, uh, and turned, into, if, if you will, into, in, into prema, and then once... Practice is complete. So these are all the stages. So Nishtha is like this this uh, very um, important stage. It's like an interim goal, hmm? an interim goal. Let me give you another analogy to appreciate that. Let's say you, you're here and here's the mountain and where you want to go is the valley. What's the interim goal? The valley's on the other side and I'm telling you about it. There's this valley on the other side of Brahim. It's beautiful. You need to go there, so you're very attracted. And uh, I don't even seem to be here, even though I'm here. I'm always there, right? And so you're charmed by that. You want to go there, so I say, you know, fine, you can go. That it's on the other side of that mountain. (laughs) So what's the what's the interim goal? You're here. Here's the what did you say? The top of the mountain. The top of the mountain is the interim goal. Hmm? The top of the mountain. When you're going up the mountain. You've got to be sure that there's somebody up above you who's got a rope tied on you, right? Because you're going to be falling off that and going down. Okay, pull you back up. Not all the way down. You need the rope on there. You need very good association. We should always be concerned that what we're doing is of some consequence to a person of spiritual uh, stature.
0: Hmm?
1: That's all that matters. So we're tied to that rope, and we're going up the hill, and there's some slips, but we've got the rope on We're climbing the mountain, I should say, and we're tied by the rope. So this is the difficult part. And then we look down and go, oh my God. We look up, oh my God. <laughs> but what to do now? You're in the middle of the mountain. You can't go down. You've got to go up, and it's hard, and so on. So, um, so you know, your, 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 your practice, your effort is basically you are praying for for your effort is to pray for is is for grace hmm? you make effort to get grace this is very different than yoga sadhana or gyanmarg hmm? hmm. your, your effort is that there's effort effort to get more grace this is the idea
0: hmm?
1: so that, that who's pulling you by the rope will or she may be pulling other people to pull my rope. You know, <laughs> you know I, I really need it. I'm more desperate than anybody. Hmm? Not that I'm more qualified than anybody. Therefore, I should be, you know, go up faster here. No, just the opposite. Hmm? Just the opposite. This is very important point. Because hmm? it's difficult to think like that. But this is this is what what progress is about. How needy I am. Hmm? Hmm? I mean, we have no idea how needy we are. <laughs> we have no idea, so that to, to, that becomes clear, or clearer and clearer. After all, we're this tiny, finite spark, if you will. We are approaching the infinite. I mean, we're totally, as I said earlier, as I said earlier, dependent upon Him, right? If the finite, if the infinite chooses to reveal itself to the finite out of its infinite capacity then it can do so but the finite on its own cannot conquer capture the infinite and that's our t- task he happens to be very charming so you know we've been attracted so anyway we pray for grace this is what bhakti is about mm-hmm. uh, um, Prabhupada once said someone said what about asked him about yoga he said yoga oh we pray Krishna uh, please help me that's our yoga that's all we cry to Krishna. Okay. Uh, he used to compare the chanting to like that, like, like crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's important to understand the, the, the basic spirit behind that. that will turn into a specific appeal and attraction and so on and so forth in due course. Um, but anyway, you, you want to get to the interim goal, the top of the hill, because then. It's all downhill. downhill. You got it. So it's all downhill. <laughs> now you can see the valley, hmm? and it's it's better than it was even talked about. It's beyond words. Hmm? It's beyond words. So you, you you have some experience of that hmm? initiative. Mm-hmm. And and so then it, then it, then it, well, well that's that's the interim goal. So what did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu say to us? He said Trinadapi Sunichena, Torora Pi Sahishnuna, Amanina Manadena, Kirtaniya Sadahari, Kirtaniya Sadahri that means Nishta. Hmm? That the, the 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 Kirtan, which is the method of Chaitanya Dev's madness, hm method to his madness this is the central focus now that we have a dynamic understanding of, of kirtan and so forth but amongst the angas of bhakti this is very um, central and so when he says kirtaniya sadhari he means sadah means always constant so he's talking about the stage arguably of nishta hmm. and he says that, that this stage will be ornamented by humility hmm because you're actually starting to understand what you're doing here. And whoa. And then you wonder, what am I doing here? This is where I'm at. Holy cow. Hmm. Hmm. It's happening. (laughs) And so, humility. Hmm. You feel just like, um, I'll give an example. If If you're in a field here, there may be an old well, and you might fall in it. How will you get out? You can call for help, but somebody has to come and throw a rope to you, and they'll say, hold on that rope tight now. What's your name? So, Mukundadas. Hold on, and I'll pull you up, okay? Then when you get to the top, what do you say? I really held that rope good, didn't I? You wouldn't say that. You would say, Haribo, thank you. (laughs) But I'll say, yeah, we held on pretty good. (laughs) That was good. good. (laughs) You did your part. Um, so so um, yeah, so we have to um make effort to get grace. this is very different from yoga and jñāna, which are very virile hmm. this is very like feminine in a in a, in a broader sense hmm. bhakti hmm. um And um Mahaprabhu said humility. I and mean, this is, comes this is, comes naturally. Mm-hmm. It's not an artificial Jaiperboo, you got all the words, this that here, but you're you're not humble at all, <laughs> you know. You know you're just going through these motions you got these little catchphrases. Except my humble patience says P what did they say P. pam pam, pam. 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 ho. <laughs> Don't write to me like that, Pam Ho. <laughs> you should write it out. If you want, please accept my humble obeisances. What am I writing here? Okay, this is what I'm writing.
0: Hmm.
1: That's how you feel? Well, that's not, that's not how you feel, then don't write it like that. But just you put in some little, an acronym of, this is not helpful, <laughs> it's not useful. I'm rejected. <laughs> 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 am <laughs> ho so what we're talking about in this stage of nishtha is the humility that it will foster mm-hmm. because of the proximity that has uh, uh, to, to, the, to your uh, objective that you've arrived at comparatively it's humbling mm-hmm. and you know how you got there it's not by your own effort Hmm. You, you, you made some effort but it doesn't correspond with the result the result is far exceeds your effort so it just makes the effort seem insignificant in comparison so there's a natural humility he, he speaks of tolerance there right? Hmm. and Bhaktivinoda is, is theologized about the tolerance um, which is compared to a tree the tree is there standing withstanding the wind the sh- providing shade uh providing shelter from the rain and so forth and even if you chop it down it provides you shade when you do it and so it's kind of a, a natural magnanimity that arises hmm. in this tolerance as well hmm. and then not expect no expectation of honor for oneself giving honor to others hmm. Uh, and so on. These things have to be thought out. Really, what they, what really the implications of what Mahaprabhu was saying here? How to be? These are the, these are the regulative principles of bhakti: hmm? humility, tolerance, no expectation of honor, giving honor to others. Hmm? Hmm? You know, no, you think no media, no intoxication, and so on and so forth. Those are hard. Those are not even regulations of bhakti. Hmm? Those are things that, you know, that are mentioned in the Bhagavatam that are the haunts where they're practiced of Kali Yuga that, you know, should be avoided and so forth. And they should be avoided and, and, and their influence of um, Raja Guna and Tamaguna and so forth. Now to be actually humble, like Mahaprabhu said, and, and tolerant, and this is a taller order. Hmm. This is a taller order. But we will arrive at it through... The, Through the practice, right? Hmm. So uh, these are these these are the ornaments, then, of the the sadaka. They decorate him. And Mahaprabhu says, when you have these things in place hmm, in your chanting, they they say this is nishta Then the distance you have gone hmm, from anadi, beginningless time and material existence to Sadhu Sangha and bhakti up to Nishta is far greater than the distance you have to go from there. It's all downhill from there still that doesn't mean it there there doesn't take some skill and so forth and practice and we don't need help, we certainly do, but um something anyway about nishta does that help? It's a very interesting topic. Yes? How does Bodhi play into the separation of mind or body? Or is it the separation of mind and body? Well, I'm not sure what you exactly have in mind um, by that statement. Um, when you speak about the separation of mind and body, um, there's a big, uh, a great an ongoing philosophical um, discussion since forever hmm, as to what is the mind and what is the body. I don't know if you're speaking about the mind-body argument, for example. Some people say the mind is really just the brain and all there are physical forces. Hmm. Other people say, no, there's something called a mind that's subjective, it's different from the objective physical body and brain and so forth and and that mind is often they think of it as consciousness and consciousness is different than the body and so I don't know if you're thinking about that That's so the soul and the mind Pardon the
0: soul, me? like separation of the soul and the body is mm-hmm. that bhakti or how does
1: bhakti play to that uh, yeah well um um There's a difference between consciousness and matter. Like I said before, there are two questions in one sense that life's about. What's out there? Right? You're hearing it. You're seeing it. You're touching it. You're tasting it. You're smelling it. You're walking through it. You're picking it up. Hmm? These are all functions of the, of the senses, right? Hmm? What's out there? Now somebody's trying to figure that out. So what's out there is the question, and then who's asking the question is the second question. Hmm? So the way we answer that in the basic sense is that, well, the consciousness is the questioner, the experiencer, and matter is experienced. Matter only matters because it matters to somebody, otherwise it doesn't matter. Hmm? So consciousness is infinitely more important, if you will, than matter. It gives meaning to matter. and we are constituted of consciousness so that's the atma the soul right Mm -hmm. and so your question is well there's a if there's a difference between the body and the soul how does bhakti play into that what is its role right Mm -hmm. well bhakti is has the theory first of all that there is a difference between consciousness and matter Like some people I said earlier, well, do you believe in a soul? I've never seen a soul. Have you seen a soul? What do they look like? Which was this foolish idea? Have you seen God then? You know, these are really simplistic arguments that are not really well, that that are not, uh, they're, they're kind of silly from a theological point of view. Like I said, well, for us, is it, can you say? Do you believe in consciousness? Well, I mean, everything is everything is happening in consciousness. That's where it's happening,
0: hmm?
1: right? It's all happening in consciousness. Our perspective is more idealistic that we we think. What's more real is the conscious experience than the thing that's experienced, because whatever the thing is, it takes on a new shape and meaning within my consciousness. Hmm? Everything's happening within consciousness. So that's our theory. Now, when we engage in bhakti, which is a type of yoga and a spiritual discipline, then what we should be getting is experience of that. That's a theory, and it, it, basically speaking, in a simple sense, it, it it makes sense. Okay, and uh, we could give more sophisticated arguments about the difference between body and. And, and, and consciousness, and so forth, and engage with science and philosophical currents in the world today, and so forth. But we don't need to do that right now. Hmm? There's a simple logic to it. It, it, it is basically um, the way everybody, th- by default, thinks. We think that because I desire something, uh, then I my body goes into the pursuit of it. So consciousness... Is generating the, the movement people say well I looked you know in the lab I didn't find consciousness moving anything you know well I couldn't measure it and we say well you're the you're the ruler you're the measure consciousness is the measure yeah hmm so um, anyway our theory is such and uh, you know it's 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 it's, 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 uh, it's been around for a long time It's produced some good results right and so Bhakti is a way for experiencing that. Hmm? so you can you can experience that you are constituted of of consciousness, not matter, and as such, you are not um, bound by the constraints of time and space. In other words, if, what you will begin to experience when your bhakti becomes very steady is that I'm eternal. Now, you can say I'm eternal, because it's you've heard that and so forth, but when you experience it, what can you say about it except that I'm eternal? I mean, how are you gonna explain that to anybody? I've experienced that I'm eternal. And he would say, well, you know, how am I supposed to believe that? I don't care if you do or not. <laughs> but here's another guy over here too, I and mean, she did it as well. And this is we do this, and this is how do you know that that's what you experience? Well, you're thinking too much. Okay, <laughs> don't, don't overburden it, the whole thing. Hmm? We experience is, is the ultimate evidence. The ultimate praman is actually experience. Hmm? We say that the scripture is evidence, but only if we apply ourselves to it will we get experience and, and, and know. Hmm? So, so when you experience the that uh, that you are different from matter hm well that's a huge relief because we are being driven by the demands of our senses and our minds here and there and they're pulling us in different directions at the same time it's very confusing i mean we sit down to 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 honor a meal and uh you know at a certain point the stomach says no more but the tongue says more <laughs> that's a problem we're being taken and pulled in different directions by these masters of mind and senses and what we're talking about is put them in their place and master the mind and master the senses after all, you're not matter, you're consciousness you're superior what does matter doesn't matter without you hmm? how did you get in this situation? you're like somebody that turned on the TV and the TV took over your life and then we had to come and pull you away and <laughs> come on, there's there's other things to do. You have a life. Hmm? So we're dazzled, if you will, by the magic of the external world that's constantly changing. Seeds turn into fruits. Wow. little tiny thing, right? It turned into this luscious fruit and so on and so forth. uh, This ball of fire comes up every day. I mean, it does all kinds of things. Physically, it affects my mind in a certain way, so on and so forth. So it's uh, it's, it's a fascinating thing. We we're, we're attracted to it, but we're but we're eternal, and all these things that these comings and goings are just that comings and goings. They're not enduring. So look within, go within, or go without. Hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> so. The practice is about that, and in due course we go with it and we get some experience then. Hmm. Am I right? We get some experience. And it's very confirming. Hmm. And the experience is, I'm eternal, and this This is just what was said in the book. Hmm. And so my experience is confirmed by that and by others. So Bhakti begins then to afford us the experience of this theory. And it's very um, compelling, very encouraging. And it has, while it's a subjective experience that well, you can tell people about it, but they have to have the experience to know it, still they will see things in you as you have that experience. Because as you have that experience, how you conduct yourself in the body will change accordingly. Now you have... A, you have a theoretical different worldview that maybe you've been told by others or your parents told you about, and it's interesting. But as you understand it more, which helps you to apply yourself in it, and you get the experience, well, then you you have a different perspective on the world. So, and in, in due course, as that experience matures, you're going to exhibit characteristics that are observable by other people, hmm, that are evidence of the supernatural. Let me give you an example of the supernatural. I was once in, in a Madras, not Madras, where was it? Um, um, Bangalore? No, but with, pra- with Prabhupada. Where did he? Srivupati? No, he wanted to go there, but he never went. No, no, I can't remember, I'm thinking it starts with an H, Hyderabad, okay, We are in Hyderabad with Prabhupada, and there was a big pondal, a big outdoor, you know, gathering that was arranged for, there was like 50,000 people there, and Prabhupada was on a stage, hmm. and he gave a lecture, some of us were sitting there, you know, along with him. And so after the, which was so uncommon, but after the lecture he said, are there any questions? So people had written down some questions from the audience. And one fellow said, Swamiji, have you performed any miracles? And Prabhupada pointed, this boy has given up sex, that is my miracle. And people went, oh, <laughs> wow, yeah, that is a miracle. You're kidding me. <laughs> even, uh, even an old man to do that, or a woman, has a well, so this is supernatural to harness the uh your humanness. Hmm? To harness it. Like I said, now your mind and the senses are your masters, but but you should be the master. You should be able to turn off the TV and get up and say this is boring. I've got more to do than watch this tube, the boob tube. <laughs> so you know. Where the computer as it is these days. The YouTube boob or whatever, <laughs> the, the U-boob tube, <laughs> U-boob tube. <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, so, in due course, as I say, as this experience of the self uh, becomes more, more prominent than how you conduct yourself, in relation to the world will change, and you'll become a master of the mind and the senses, and you will have harnessed it, harnessed the human passions, which are just like that's just like unbelievable. You become super, superhuman. So what I'm saying is that there are objective, um, observable evidence that corresponds with your internal subjective, and meditative experience, which should then. Uh, be uh, compelling for other people in terms of um, what you're saying and its credibility. Mm -hmm. The problem, of course, this sounds great, and it is, but the problem with this is that so few people do that, even if all of us did it, which we, we try to do, even if we were all successful, we'd still be only a few in the world. So we want to point to figures like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this one, this one, and so forth. Even cross-culturally this will happen. Hmm? In other traditions to some extent as well. So we'll point to these people and they'll just be like, you know, they're like freaks of nature or something. You know, it's just like, that's just not, you know, the norm so we would just so there's always going to be some except we'll figure it out later what's really happening over there it looks like this is happening you can talk about it like that but we're going to reduce it all down to just some material um answer and so forth so but these kind of persons uh very advanced devotees, they stand like lighthouses on the shore speaking to us as we float and uh, in the ocean of material existence, that there is land, there is land. Stand on. You can stand on the ground of your own being, hmm? what you are, and independent of the mind and the senses. Hmm? Imagine if you could harness your human passions. I mean, it's, it's, you must then be experiencing something more than all the human passions can afford you. Hmm? Otherwise, how how can you uh, move away from them? What does the Gita say? hum No, Nibart When you get nishta, it says. Paramdrishtva. You have a higher taste. Hmm? This is not about, you know, turning yourself into an ox, to put it one way. It's, it's about getting a higher taste. So that the drive of the senses and so forth is just—it's seen for what it It's—it's—it's. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it, there's no pleasure in matter, but we think there is. Mm-hmm. We invest ourselves in matter by attaching ourselves to matter, and now it's my car. So now it's whatever mm-hmm. happens to the car is happening to me, and and so forth. But it not even not even is this body yours in a sense. It's it's just a collection of the same things that the car is made out of, or the house or or, or whatever. So so Bhakti in, does this. It um it gives us experience of the self. And ultimately in a powerful and compelling way that provides observable evidence for others that they should if they would consider would find that um our theory has uh, is is credible, mm-hmm. so does that help? Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: When you were speaking on Nishtha, uh, you spoke on the possessive tense as uh, being essentially false, and and then also speaking of like this is not mine, so you can't acquire this thing, and then also said that. Um, it sounded like essentially my my translation is that sadhya is attaining prema so in in one sense we cannot attain and in the other sense it might be my confusion the word was attain prema and so I was just wondering if
1: you're talking about if I understand you correctly that I uh, described the problem of possessiveness hmm? in one hand and the other hand I seem to talk about Possessing something,
0: yeah, right? Yeah, attaining Prema. Yeah. So I'm super curious about that.
1: The, well, uh, I did mention also that um, my explanation of Prema was a one word and very limited explanation. Love. Right? Okay. But if we break down the actual meaning of Prema, or even if we look at love, or the shadow of love, let's say. The shadow of love is, involves attachment, right? Hmm. Well, yeah, but real love, by comparison then, in other words, I'm attached to someone because I see them as an object that serves my purposes. Hmm. This is, To one extent or another, this is material life, and we try to mitigate that by being sensible and and selfless, and so, you know, and so forth. But inevitably, we're both kind of agreeing to, to be the object of another person's uh, attachment and afford them some emotional pleasure or um, um, contentment and so on and so forth, right? So, therefore, if possessiveness, attachment, hmm, is not love because to one extent or another it it involves taking and love is only about giving then it would stand to reason and this is I think how you're thinking about it that love then is the opposite of that Mm -hmm. and there's truth to that in other words renunciation or detachment
0: Mm -hmm.
1: is the beginning of love Mm
0: -hmm.
1: real love my attachment, it amounts to seeing something as an object for my purpose
0: mm-hmm.
1: and my false sense of I and so forth. Mm-hmm. When I let go of it, now I'm not taking. So not taking is part of loving, right? It's kind of half loving, mm-hmm. It's kind of a ground to 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 loving. Mm-hmm. So renunciation, detachment, mm-hmm. um, and 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 and, and uh, allowing people and things to be what they are, rather than make them what they are. For my mind, and mm-hmm. think that the whole world should fit inside of my mind, even though I'm not comfortable inside of it. Mm-hmm. This is material existence, attachment. It's giving birth to suffering and so forth. So, detachment is the beginning of loving. It's the antithesis of possession, false possession. Mm. And that seems to be what you're talking about. But meanwhile, here I'm talking about attachment and attainment, right? Mm. So, that's why I say detachment is the beginning of loving. So, if I step back from my attachments, through knowledge, of what they really amount to. Hmm. Hmm. A false sense of ownership and so forth where actually nothing belongs to me. Hmm. And the I arising out of it is just as false and so forth, so with wisdom, I step back. Then I see, well, that it does belong to somebody. right? Hmm. Just because it doesn't belong to me doesn't mean it does. So, So this is the idea of God, right? So then we can step back into the world hmm. and use it in this, or interact with it for the service of of God of, of Krishna hmm. so good so uh, now you, you you step back from it seen it for what it is now you enter into it you in, you, you relate with it differently nothing is mine everything is Krishna's and I'm also Krishna's hmm. but what's with this possessiveness? That you're asking about, right? But then we have to look carefully at love, because I said detachment is the beginning of love. It's not the end of love. Not giving is not the full face of love, hmm? right? So, prema is characterized by possessiveness,
0: hmm?
1: minus it's called my not minus like in math, but my m y ness. Maybe it's a new word. Minus. Hmm. Krishna's mine. Hmm. Hmm. Krishna's ours. We live in Vrindavan. Hmm. He's one of us. Hmm. This is Leela. He's one of us. We are all brajbhasis. Hmm. He's my son. He's my friend. He's my beloved. Hmm. Um, but here now there is possessive but this, the object of possession is entirely different, right? He's a real person. And he loves his devotee and his devotee loves him. So now possessiveness does, it no longer becomes a problem. Why is the possessiveness a problem? Because, well, what you were, thought was yours, it's not and you can't keep it. You can't keep it. That's the proof that it's not yours, right? But you can keep Krishna. Hmm. You can keep him. In fact, in, in Godia Vaishnavism, Bhakti will reach such a pitch that Krishna becomes overwhelmed hmm. by the devil. That's what Krishna means. Krishna means God in a condition in which he's controlled by Bhakti, by love. So, love is... Supreme in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And it's characterized by such uh, uh, possessiveness that we find, for example, in, in the inhabitants of Braj, whose example we follow. Do follow. you think Yasoda doesn't think that Krishna is my son? She certainly does, right? And she's right. Hmm? She's right about it. Hmm? Krishna is more the son of Yasoda than he is God. Hmm? Because that condition,
0: hmm,
1: where God is overwhelmed by bhakti, hmm, that is greater knowing than omniscience, omniscience, which we find, for example, you know, in, 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 in a majestic form of of Krishna, is prominent, like in Orion, that's prominent. In Krishna, that's not prominent. What's prominent in Krishna is. That his majesty is 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 overwhelmed by the love. And the love, as I said earlier, to love one is to know one. The more the love is, the more one knows. Hmm? It looks like they don't know. Krishna hmm? does not know that he's God. Hmm? Sometimes it comes back to him. You know, after all, I'm God. Hmm? <laughs> and his Aishwarya Shakti weighs in, and in the Leela and so forth. But that's not the pre- predominant or prominent experience of Krishna in Braj. Krishna is Yashoda the son of Yashoda. Hmm. He's he's uh, he's uh, Subal Saka, the friend of Subal. He's Radhanath. Hmm. These are his three basic identities in Braj. Hmm. So again, Mother Yasoda thinks Krishna is my son, and she is right.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: That's the fullest face of, of divinity. Why? Because the more the bhakti, the more you understand God. The, more the, the clearer the picture of God. The more the bhakti, the more the, 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 the object of love is, is becoming known. So because of the, the, the excessive nature of the bhakti, it's, it, it causes Krishna to come into this situation where he has to become human-like, Hmm. for there to be intimacy. Hmm. It's complicated theologically, but it's very interesting. Hmm. So there's possessiveness there. Hmm. Yes. There's something worth attaining. There are false values, and there are real values. Hmm. And we say that, as I said earlier, detachment is the beginning of love, but we arrive at detachment from material things by attachment to Krishna and his devotees in yoga and gyan these are other systems under themselves people prog- progress by detachment there's forced detachment for example go stand in the ganga in january on a dark moon night and it's cold and think it's cold It's just in the mind that's what the Gita says that's their practice summertime heat Rajasthan Stani desert hottest place in the world it's sometimes recorded in uh, whatever world book of records I read it I think then build a fire at noon or three o'clock in the afternoon and sit there that's what they do. This is the practice. Hmm. So this is this is the the, the ongoing and uh, 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 focused concentration on detachment as a way, byragi as a means, hmm. based on knowledge. If you have knowledge, then you'll be detached, because ignorance is detachment to things that you can't keep. In pursuit of enduring happiness you're attached to something that has no inherent happiness and doesn't endure. (laughs) Well, that's dumb. Hmm? So knowledge, the corollary of knowledge, is detachment. Now, I can have knowledge theoretically if I want to become realized, well, I should put it into practice. So, in the schools of jnana and yoga, then, vairagya is an an anga of the practice. But it's not an anga of bhakti. Hmm? What bhakti... I, 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 the the anga of bhakti comparatively is and this is one of the most prominent angas of bhakti
0: hmm.
1: sadhu nam kirtan bhagavatshava so, so sadhu hmm. so which is the birth of bhakti hmm. that means attachment sangha means attachment it's just opposite right there are things worth being attached to which will bring about detachment from things that aren't worth being attached to hmm. And how can there be love uh, without uh, such uh, a sense of possessiveness? You're mine. Mm. And you feel, yes, and you're mine. Mm. Of course, in in, in in love, there's only one. Mm. That's another thing. But it's a dynamic one. In love, you and I become we. We're both still there. But you, I've taken your heart and made it mine. You've taken my heart and made it yours. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a there's a place for um, such, and this is the peculiarity of Bhakti in comparison to other uh, spiritual paths, at least within within the subcontinent of India, Bharat, um, Although the, the concepts can be extended elsewhere as as, as well, you f- you find some 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 school, like Christianity is kind of a school of love, but it's a, it's a little bit vague, um, comparatively. Um, but, um, I mean, these are universal principles that we're talking about. The beauty of Hinduism is that they, they have really uh, developed these principles. I'll give you a principle. Um... Giving is receiving. Play that out and you'll end up in Goloka Vrindavan. You have to play that out. Mm. Play that out then you'll end up there. Mm. Does that help? Does that answer your question? Yes, okay, thank you. What else? Yes?
0: I had a question about some things you were talking about last night, about the nature of... Um,
1: you haven't really talked about it like this before, so I wanted a little clarification on, like,
0: um, we may get ahead of ourselves a little bit, like, acting, uh, thinking about, like, frame and acting as if we're more than we are when we're not actually, like, even... We're not... The
1: byproducts should be, like, signs and symptoms of our, of our advancement. Um I'm not able
0: to formulate
1: the question well. well. What I was talking about is that there are byproducts of bhakti, hmm? and then there, there's there's what bhakti is actually um, aimed at as a goal. So prame is the prayojan is the goal. Hmm? Now, in the course of pursuing the goal, there will be byproducts, right? So the point is that we should start to see the byproducts. And that, seeing that should encourage us that we're on the course to preem. But if you're looking for praying to appear, huh, you're looking for the wrong thing in one sense. It's, it's, you don't understand it. You can go manjari bab, manjari bab all you want, but it's not going to happen like that. You can learn all kinds of theory and philosophy and theology and give good talks and so forth, and there's more to it than that. It's, it's. You have to weep for this. You have to weep for this. Mm. continuously that we find it in the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu weeping is that hard? Mm. the Buddhist was thinking to sit easy enough <laughs> that's all he did all we have to do is weep mm. but the results <laughs> will be different <laughs> all you have to do is weep so it, it's important and we talk about it what is the goal the, the nature of the goal as far as it can be put into words we should make of it poetically as the Bhagavatam does because poetry tends to expand the thing Hmm. with poetry the the moon can have wings and fly across the sky it's okay the world doesn't fit we don't fit in the world that's how as small as we are that's how big we are we don't fit in the world one soul alone one atma will not fit in the whole world if it's the only one
0: Hmm.
1: Hmm. we're constantly trying to expand the picture Let's go to the go to the moon. Hmm. Let's try, try Mars. In all of it, we you know you say, well, did you find yourself? <laughs> you went to the moon. did you find yourself? Because that's what you were looking for. Hmm. And the fact that that it, or, or was it big enough?
0: <laughs>
1: you done now? <laughs> you still don't fit because the world of the eye and the mind, you know, it does it. it it's um it's it's all quantitative, we're a qualitative uh reality, consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it's not gonna fit. So at any rate, uh to realize that, to come out from the um constraints Time and place and so on and so forth. Uh, 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 this is, uh, you know, this is no easy task. Hmm? And then we were talking about attaining praying. And we just talked a little bit about what that praying was—that Krishna is attached to you. Hmm? How is he going to become attached to you if you're not attached to him? And, how, and so it, 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 we can talk about praying and we should, but we should know that this is. This is, uh, this is a problem, too. In Godi Vaishnam, this is a problem because our ideal is so high and you can talk about it and distinguish yourself from other traditions that we pick up where they leave off and so forth. And then you can think, see how high I am. Hmm? <laughs> That's how low you are. Hmm? <laughs> they may have attained their goal, which is where ours really begins. Hmm? You haven't even got to Nishta hmm, or Bahava, hmm, liberation. So, so it's important to look at the byproducts hmm, and see that they're coming. I mean, like I'll give you an example, it's a crude example. I, I mentioned it the other day. Now there's a war going on, right? It's, it's, it's very um, awkward. For everyone and, and people in Ukraine are just, uh, it's just unbelievable what's happening. So nowadays it's very easy if you think, huh, this is a, I'm, I'm inconvenienced, I've got a problem. You just think of Ukraine and you go, oh, I guess I don't have any problems. Put it in perspective. I don't have any problems. Right? So, some of my disciples, your friends, live in Poland and they are helping like millions of refugees are coming across the border. So they're they're provide, helping to get apartments for them, work for them. Most of them are women and children that the men have left behind to, to uh, deal with the um, Russian aggression. So they're overwhelmed by this. So I'm encouraging them. You know, uh, This is part of our teaching. What's it? Krishnanam. So, what is it? Dibhadoi uh, Krishnanam Sarvadhamasar. So... To the essence of Dharma, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, is is uh, to chant Krishna Nam and uh, be kind to other living beings. There's a there's a whole component within Gornatay, hmm? the who are the deities of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, as a teaching. Obviously, they, they speak about Radha and Krishna, so forth, Krishna and Balaram. But they are the like the presiding deities of our Sampradaya. They are the macrocosmic manifestations of the Guru Tattva. Hmm? And you have two sides here. You have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is speaking to the Brahminical class of people, educated people, the Sarvabalmas, the Prakashanandas, converting them, and so on and so forth. And through Nityananda Prabhu, his other extended self, he's canvassing amongst the downtrodden people. Hmm? And, and 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 some of their concerns are more grounded, hmm. social concerns, like take for uh, and practical concerns, like the community of Saptagram, where ba, where Nityananda was prominently um, circulating, <laughs> they had been disenfranchised socially hmm. uh, from the Hindu uh, community. Hmm. Not for anything really that they, that they did that would have warranted that, but they were in an awkward situation, hmm. the whole community. I mean, this, they had a social-religious orientation in life, and the social-religious community uh, ostracized them. Mm. So Nityananda Prabhu came, canvassed amongst them. His main arm was Patita Pavana, who's called Patita Patita Pavana. Mm. So the point I'm making is that there was some social activism within their Vaishnavism, mm. feeding people, uh, building houses during the famine and so forth in 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 and in, in, in indoctrinating them all or in, in, in welcoming them all within the singular uh collective ritual of Kirtan. They were nominally Vaishnavas, just like people are nominally Vaishnavas. <laughs> in name we are Vaishnavas but and he made them substantially into Vaishnavas of course at the same time. Hmm? Uh was the uh, you know the, the <coughs> Very democratic, also, hmm. and uh, he was—he uh, was entirely. Um, his outreach was entirely uh, transcended. Uh, uh, well, social, religious concerns, gender—you know—differences and so forth. Everybody was come on in do Saint That's all. Thank Prashad. This is Prabhu. So anyway, I encouraged on my students there yes what well, you're doing that, that, that is good hmm. first they were helping devotees from Ukraine that came, and then it became whoever was coming right but um, one of the leading devotees there she wrote to me and said what's most discouraging hmm, to me or what's most just like startling to me hmm, is not the war itself the atrocities of, uh, you know, of uh, the modern-day, you know, comes, if you will, the atrocities of this. I mean, it's just horrific. Uh, uh, but the way in which some devotees respond to it, hmm, by saying things like, well, she said, they're all meat-eaters, so they're getting their due. I mean, she was just startled by that uh, and I responded I so you should tell them why are you a vegetarian anyway what, what what why would you do that because some book told you or did you do it because you actually felt oh I should be kind to other living beings. That's what I did hmm? I mean, I didn't have to meet Prabhupada to figure that out, you know I should be kind to other and, and so I mean, are you just—is it just something you do? I mean, you're not. I mean, it's like mindless vegetarianism. I mean, when I was young, at least, vegetarianism was an ethical, you know, choice. Nowadays, it can maybe be a health choice or whatever. I think ethical concerns are also loom large in people's minds nowadays, perhaps. But um, if that's the, the the basis of it, how can how can you make a statement like that? Hmm? Right. Um, in the animal world, other animals eat other animals. Obviously, that's the way the world works. One living being is food for another. Right. But if I don't have to participate as much as I can avoid that, well, you know, all, all all the better. How can you think of people like that, and that? so so that what I'm saying to you is that. And then they're saying, anyway, we know we, we should just talk about Manjari or whatever. You know. I mean, this is like some kind of like very artificial um adaption of Krishna consciousness just some dogma, and you regurgitate it and 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 think that youve you've gone somewhere, so we should look for this kind of result, like what's coming in 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 Namarasana, in her heart feeling like this is, I should do it sure, if you have real compassion, hmm, obviously. You can give analogies like, well, saving the dress of a drowning man is not real compassion. Hmm? It doesn't help. Hmm? So if you save the body, you know, but not the soul, well, we're not out just, you know, after every social campaign, but sometimes the opportunity may arise. Hmm? One of my godbrothers was standing on the balcony in the Calcutta temple, which is a rented building at the time, and there was a couple of beggars that came down below, and they had, you know, one didn't have a hand, and,
0: you
1: know, something, they were uh, uh, crippled in, the, in one extent or another. And so he turned to Prabhupada, and said, Prabhupada, sometimes I I feel compassion for these people. And he was thinking, I know it's Maya, I know they're in Maya, and that's their karma, mm and so but you know sometimes I have to admit I, I feel a little sorry for them and Prabhupada turned to him and said why only sometimes Creep us kripasindu if you're an ocean of mercy well does it extend only you know obviously you know we have something to do if people want a full meal I'm going to you know come and serve them here I can't go run there and everywhere and do everything People want to get want to make a comprehensive solution. Okay, we can we can speak about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dispensation. Other people can open soup kitchens, this, that, and the other thing. But it doesn't mean I don't empathize with the plight of others. Hmm? So if <laughs> that's not coming in me, well, you know, don't talk to me about praying, sakya preem, this brain, that preem. Hmm? <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about so you you know you're all devotees, you're human beings too. you have to you have to understand your humanness hmm? it will help you to be grounded and, and not be not this like bifurcated like oh my, uh, I'm not this body, so how bad is it you know that that thinking you know I don't take care of it, but it's Krishnas what about that <laughs> take care of Krishna's body. It's, it's a sadhaka day. Huh? So, so, byproducts of bhakti, they should be showing up in this. Hmm. Prabhupada's idea was that his devotees would become very compelling hmm, examples to others. What kind of example is that? How to relate to this, this uh, international situation like that? I mean, it's just... It's It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you see how proper writing about world war Two and so forth in his time mm-hmm. it was just i mean like well anyway he was writing his back to godhead magazine at that time mm-hmm. you understand you know I and mean, it's if it's a balance. you have to understand your conditioning and live with it and grow beyond it and so forth and keep good association, kind of have a strong fire of sadhana and so forth. But, And we we do that. We have a nice community here, right? It's nice, nice devotees. I've been saying these things for years. I mean, I said it a little differently last night, but you're listening. I can see that, so it's good. So we can talk about Manjari Bhav, too. Then. <laughs> 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 we got a license for that. All right, we'll stop there. Gore Vrindaki